This is the Data Privacy Detective. Today, we're going to look at the second largest hack of medical records in 2023. We think the sixth largest in history. And we're going to consider how the victims, the people whose personal medical information was exposed to wrongdoers, are informed about this and what, if anything, they can do about it. Perry Johnson and Associates, PG&A for short, is a Nevada-based company that provides medical transcription services to healthcare organizations. Through digital technology, a medical professional can dictate information that is sent to PGNA. It then transcribes what is spoken into a medical record and returns it to the healthcare organization. The objective is to increase the accuracy of medical information for patients and their medical providers. Now, that's something that can be life-saving. It can improve patient care, make medical information more instantly available when needed. And PGA, PG&A says that it will lower the cost for what it provides as a service instead of healthcare organizations trying to do it on their own. Although uh, it's perhaps the United States' largest medical transcription service, PG&A is reported to have fewer than 100 employees and annual revenues of under $20 million. It's a private company, but I say this from published reports. PG&A's website describes how it uses U.S.-based secure data centers and that it provides secure HIT, health information technology, solutions to its customers, including some very large hospital groups. It holds ISO 27001 certification for information security management systems. And there's certainly no reason to doubt that PG&A would like to and aims to protect patient records from prying eyes. And after all, the federal law HIPAA and other laws require that this type of medical data be kept private. But things happen. And for a five-week period between late March and early May 2023, PGNA reports now that an unauthorized party gained access to its network and acquired copies of certain files from its systems. It was not for over five months until Halloween of 2023 that PGNA began to inform affected individuals about this cybersecurity incident. Now, one of the listeners of this podcast provided uh, the data privacy detective with a letter received in November from PG&A. This podcast is not about the underlying data breach or what will be proceedings by government regulators and no doubt through class actions. Instead, we're going to explore how PG&A chose to disclose the incident to those affected and what those individuals can learn about the details. Well, the listener here received a letter from PG&A, and there was no name or contact information provided, no email address or physical address, or even a description of who PG&A is. The letter described what I uh, described above. It stated to this individual that although no social security number had been released, the individual files, quote, may have contained your name, address, phone number, date of birth, medical record number, and certain health information, close quote. 
Well, what was not mentioned was this. What health information was wrongly taken? Nor was the name of the individual's medical provider mentioned, leaving this individual in the dark. PG&A stated that it valued, quote, the trust you place in us to protect your privacy, close quote. Well, this individual had no idea who or what PG&A was and never knowingly placed any level of trust in it. The letter concluded by stating, quote, for further assistance, please call. And then it gave a toll-free phone number, close quote. Well, the individual called the phone number promptly after getting the letter. After a short pause, the line connected to a call center. In a foreign accent, the person answering read a script about PG&As being available to assist the caller. Well, once the respondent was ready to take questions from the listener, the individual uh, whose data had been taken provided name and address uh, where the letter had been sent and then uh, asked some questions. First, well, what if my information was taken? The, uh, the listener asked. Well, the answer was that, quote, certain health information, close quote, was taken. Well, the person said, yes, that's what the letter says, but, but what health information was taken? The respondent answered the same and said that if the letter stated what information uh, was taken, that that's the answer. Well, that was the problem. It only said certain health information without identifying it. Well, after some back and forth, the respondent said that she was actually not with the PG&A, uh, but was with a company hired by it, uh, probably a call center. So she did not know specifically what health information had been taken and that this should be clear from the letter, which, of course, it wasn't. The victim then asked, well, how do I get details about what if my health information was taken? The respondent reiterated that the letter should tell you that. And, of course, going around in circles once again, uh, was asked that she didn't know beyond what the letter said. Well, the respondent then said she would forward the individual's request to PG&A, and the response should be forthcoming within a day. Well, as of this recording, uh, more than two days afterwards, uh, no second call, uh, no call has arrived. The individual asked the respondent, well, tell me what healthcare organization used PG&A that, that led to this problem? Again, the respondent did not know and said this request also would be referred to PG&A for response. And again, at this point, there has been none. Well, let's think about this. This example highlights major problems of data breaches that affect millions of people regarding their most sensitive information. For a small to mid-sized company like PG&A, it must seem overwhelming to determine and inform 9 million people that their medical information had been compromised. Providing notice by offering a toll-free number to a call center that lacks the most basic information about the incident seems almost worthless. In effect, they run around in circles. At a minimum, an individual whose health information is compromised should be informed promptly what information was taken, or at least is at risk, and at least what healthcare provider was involved. After all, to an individual, it's one thing if the provider was a dentist, let's say, but quite another if it's a woman's healthcare provider consulted about family planning, or if it's a patient who has received a diagnosis about a life-threatening disease 
that the individual would like to keep private from other people, including employers, family, and friends. Well, in this case, there's already a half a year gap between PG&A's learning about the incident and sending a notice to affected individuals. That's a very long time. Holding the patient names and addresses, which were used to send out millions of letters, should allow PGNA or any any provi- any service provider to know at a minimum which healthcare provider subscribed to its services that result in an individual patient's records being wrongly exposed. Now, as regulators and legislators grapple with putting into place state statutes and one day a federal data privacy code, they should consider how promptly an organization must notify affected patients about a data incident or breach and how promptly they should be informed of what data was released from what provider. Presumably, the healthcare organization that contracted with PG&A for transcription should likewise be very promptly informed, and that provider should know whether it, too, needs to inform its patients about the incident and what information may have been wrongly exposed to wrongdoers. Healthcare organizations should consider their data sharing agreements that they have with service providers. Outsourcing services like transcription services is certainly sensible and and can improve the quality of medical records and patient care. But part of any such outsourcing agreement should be clear attention to how data is protected and how patients will be informed on a timely basis if data is wrongly released. And a plan needs to be in place beforehand, not for months after, or giving prompt information to individuals whose sensitive information is at stake. The risks here are not trivial. Disclosure of sensitive information to bad actors can and and will result in further problems. Those holding such details as medical diagnoses, dates of when healthcare was provided to whom, and other personally identifiable information can do great harm. Those who buy such data on the dark web can use the information to masquerade and do spear phishing of individuals and others. They can use this information to steal identities and money, even to blackmail those who don't want medical details to be revealed. Finally, this incident should make us all consider that data privacy can never be assured. Incidents and breaches will happen. The best societal defense is not simply to impose enormous costs on entities that themselves are the victims of data breaches. SPNA did not seek to leak sensitive information. It too was targeted and victimized. Data breach rules, fines, class action lawsuits, and penalties are not the answer to preventing similar attacks. Data privacy should be designed into the hardware and software used for sensitive personal information like medical data. Both industry standards and government requirements should augment post-breach focus that has been 
the major way that we have so far designed U.S. data privacy regulation. In recent and future podcasts, this detective will continue to look into technological advances that can minimize data breaches from happening in the first place. This can be the most important way to protect our sensitive personal information as we move into what some call Web 3.0. Safety and privacy must be fundamental in this transition. I'll close by reminding us all, protecting your personal data begins with you.